Can we stand together? And we're going to read one verse. And thank you, Preston. You guys did a great job. Give them a hand one more time. Thank you, Lord. All right. Let's put it up here. We're in chapters 5 and 6 tonight. We're learning about the power of words. How many of you are aware that what you say matters? What you say matters. Amen? And sometimes what you don't say matters. Matter of fact, a lot more than you think what you don't say matters. Now we're going to look tonight at there's always two sides. There's always two sides to every issue. Did you know the Bible teaches us to get both sides of a controversy? All right, let's read Proverbs 18, 13. This is out of the New Living Translation, which I love. Let's read it. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Isn't that well put? Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the power of words and that you're teaching us to have wisdom with what we say and how we say it. And we ask you, Lord God, to give us wisdom tonight. That, Lord, we would walk in wisdom and therefore walk in blessing because you bless those who watch their tongue. We pray that, Lord, this will be a wise congregation, a wise people, and we thank you for helping us. Now I want you to breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to me tonight. I receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and tell him, watch your tongue. Watch your tongue. Watch your tongue. And if you need a book, raise your hand quickly, and we'll go ahead and have double mercy and get you a book. So if you need a book, there's one over there. Oh, my gosh, we've got people here. Shame on y'all. Did you, now, if you forgot your book, you're not getting a second one. If you've never gotten one, raise your hand quickly, quickly. And we're going to talk about... Um, the power of words and the wisdom that God wants us to have with words. Way over there and over there, wow. Everybody say, boo. No, I'm kidding. I'm, there's no condemnation. I have to watch my tongue. All right. I want to talk to you uh, tonight about something that I've, I've been pastoring uh, 25 years now. And I've seen, uh, and it's hard for me to believe when I say that. It, you know, I'm, I'm marrying people who I dedicated when they were babies. And that's really running a number on me. Y'all need to pray for me. I, I feel 30. I'm not, but I feel 30. But I'm, I'm marrying people, I, you know, that I, that I dedicated. And... Um, but I have been doing this a while. When you pastor this long, you, you really see the underbelly of the church. You see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good. The good outweighs the bad, in my opinion. But there are, there, there are faults and wrinkles in the church. And my experience has been that these faults and these wrinkles generally have to do with sins of the tongue. We hear a lot about a good confession, and we're big on a good confession, but I'm going to tell you, I think the sins of the tongue are the blind spot of the church, the blind spot. Now, we're going to deal with something tonight 
that I've seen happen over and over again. And that is when, and we, last week we talked about rumors, you remember that. Last time we talked about rumors and how they start and how gossip starts and how the church has a grapevine Ernest and Julio Gallo would envy. Uh, the church has a major grapevine. It's amazing how interconnected churches are. I mean, one church learns something, all the churches know about it in a week. We are very connected. And I want you to remember that uh, um, Fort Worth, and really I guess anywhere, but I know Fort Worth is really a big town. And it's amazing to me how connected the people of Fort Worth are. And I'm sure it's true in Philadelphia or New York City or Los Angeles or wherever. But I don't know about I haven't pastored there. I pastored here. Now, one thing that I have seen is a rumor will start, and it travels to the grapevine. And we've talked about the gossip and the tale bearer, and, the, and we're going to be talking about the slanderer a little bit later. But um, a rumor will travel, and here is where we really trip up. We trip up in that we don't bother getting two sides of every story. Because tell me you've lived long enough to realize there's always two sides. I said, tell me you've lived long enough that you know there's always two sides. All right, it's been said that digging for the facts is better than jumping to conclusions. It takes a little bit of work to find out the truth. It takes work. Now, you can jump to conclusions or you can dig out the facts. Now, I want to remind you of something Jesus said. He said, do for others what you would want others to do for you. Treat others the way you would want others to treat you. Now, if there were a rumor traveling about you, would you want, say, the first or the second or the third person in the line that that rumor travels down, would you want them to stop and say, wait a minute, I don't know if this is true or not. I don't know how much of it is true, how much of it isn't. I think instead of jumping to a conclusion, I'm going to dig for the facts. How many of you would want somebody to do that if you were the object of the rumor? Now, tonight you're going to have to grab your toes. And what we're doing is we're, we're plowing the rocks out of the field. It's going to get better as the weeks go by because I know this is painful. <laughs> Say with me, I know it's painful. You know, this is not an amen, this is an oh me kind of message. But, you know, we're plowing the rocks out of the field. Because, and once the rocks are out, then we're going we're gonna to learn the good side to saying the right kind of things. But, folks, I don't know about you, but I want to be in a place where the anointing of God is moving. And I want to be among a people who are being blessed. How many of you want to be blessed? And how many of you want to see Jesus moving in your church? All right, if Jesus is going to be moving in our church, then we are going to have to grow up, mature, get some wisdom about how we handle offenses, how we handle uh, gossip, how we handle rumors. We don't want a bunch of wounded people walking around inside the church because scuttlebutt about somebody was handled wrongly. We don't want the anointing of God grieved because our words are going where they should not. And they say, well, pastor, are you teaching this because we've got a problem? No, this is a flu shot. This is a flu shot. 
I am seeking to inoculate us so that if the bug starts to move through here, we're too smart for it. All right? That's why I'm doing it. It's preemptive. This is, this is preemptive teaching. And I personally believe every pastor in the country ought to get this little book and teach it. It'd save them a lot of tears. Now, remember that a talebearer, and I told you this last week, I'm going to reiterate tonight, a talebearer rarely cares about the facts. A talebearer really doesn't care much at all about getting the facts. To not get the facts before drawing a conclusion is not fair to the person, nor is it something Jesus would do. You know, we're always saying, what would Jesus do? That's a great saying, as long as you really understand what Jesus would do. I've heard some people say, well, this is what Jesus would do, and their Jesus isn't the Jesus I recognize. It's a good saying, as long as you know what the Bible Jesus would do. Because, you know, you can create your own Jesus. You can make up your own Jesus. Did you know that? All right. One time when Jesus had been turned away from a particular town, his disciples took offense and they said, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to consume them? And they thought they were being scriptural because they referred to Elijah. Now I want you to notice what Jesus said. He said, you don't realize what your hearts are like. The King James, the New King James will say, you don't realize what spirit you are speaking out of. He wasn't talking about a demonic spirit. He was talking about a vengeful spirit that was responding in the flesh or reacting in the flesh to this town full of people who had rejected Jesus Christ from their midst. So they said, Lord, do you want us to do like Elijah and call fire out of heaven? And Jesus said, you don't get it. Elijah didn't call fire out of heaven to kill people. He called fire out of heaven to consume a sacrifice to prove that God was God. How many of you have ever been really glad you were not God? Listen, because if the church had the power to call fire out of heaven, there'd be no cities left and no churches left. You do know that's true. How many of you would have zapped one or two people in your lifetime? Oh, yeah. I mean, all behind us would be puffs of smoke, ash piles from people that we would have called fire down from heaven on. And we would have done it thinking they deserved it, thinking we were right, thinking that we had every right to do it, thinking that we were being biblical and scriptural. But Jesus said, and I want us to catch this, disciples of mine, you are not aware you are not discerning the spirit that is forming your words. You've got to stop and think about it. And what did he say? The Son of Man has not come to destroy lives. Now I want you all to say that with me. The Son of Man has not come to destroy lives. Now let me ask you a million dollar question tonight. Does gossip destroy lives? Yeah. 
Does jumping to a conclusion about somebody without having the facts, can that destroy a life? Have you ever seen somebody's life destroyed that way? I have. Have you ever seen somebody really devastated because a rumor moved through the rumor mill in people who were supposed to know God and their lives were destroyed? And, and have you ever felt the pain of somebody jumping to a conclusion about you without ever bothering to find out the facts? Have you ever felt that pain? Have you ever felt that? Boy, I'll tell you, that hurts. When they jump to a conclusion because of something they're hearing and they have not bothered to find out if it's true because everybody deserves a hearing. Have you ever observed somebody tried, prosecuted, and hung by a jury in a church before the facts ever came out. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever watched that? It's, it's not a pretty sight, and it happens all the time. Let me ask you this. Can you commit tongue murder? Yeah. I mean, we're real big on, oh, you know, they're, they're in prison because they murdered somebody, and they should be. I've seen people murdered verbally, and I've seen it happen in churches where we should know better. Now, I want the anointing of God in my church. I'm going to say it again. I want the anointing of God moving. I want God to feel free to breathe on this house. So I'm giving us a, a flu shot. See, the, the, the anointing and the blessing of God rests on people who have learned to walk with him. But you can grieve him away, and I don't want to do that. So let's keep this in mind. If, if you want to quit, say, what would Jesus do? Let's say what he wouldn't do. He wouldn't destroy somebody's life. Right? Okay. To be like Jesus is to refuse to have anything to do with destroying someone's life. That's what it is to be like Jesus. One way to avoid doing so is to avoid making snap judgments based on the church grapevine rumor mill and instead to search for the facts. The disciples had a wrong spirit when they talked about vaporizing the town. They were basically saying, Lord, you want us to nuke them? Jesus said, you don't understand. That's not what I'm about. It's not what I'm about. I am not about that. So keep this in mind. Keep this in mind. When you have somebody's reputation or somebody's fate, people's perception of a certain person or people in mind, when, when you've got that, something that valuable at stake, keep in mind that God has given us words and he's given us the ability to dig out facts. And you know what I found? When I go to dig out facts and find out the truth of a thing, I often find out that most of the rumor was embellished and one thing it's like a snowball it starts out a certain size and it rolls down the hill it gets bigger and bigger and bigger as it goes and that's the way rumors do this gets added to it and that gets added to it and this and that and the other until by the time it reaches the end of the grapevine this person looks like Jack the Ripper because it grew and that's why God says, I want you to be very careful with how you handle rumors about people, how you handle 
information that is loaded. All right. But they didn't know, the disciples didn't know, that they were of the wrong spirit. And they were comparing themselves to Elijah. Can you imagine? Comparing themselves to Elijah. And how many times do we um, damage people in the name of God? And I think that's what makes it twice as difficult when you get crucified or hurt or misrepresented in a church where the people are supposed to know God. And yet, in the name of God, and we've all done it, in the name of God, we'll nail somebody and condemn them and blame them and judge them. And we've been talking about that from the talk on the hill, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, don't judge, don't blame, don't condemn. Treat others the way you want them to treat you. Find out the facts. The disciples had a wrong spirit when they talked about vaporizing the town. They didn't know it, comparing themselves to Elijah. And Jesus said, you don't get it. I don't want to judge them because they didn't receive me. The day will come when they're judged by their own words. But right now, we're here to heal people. We're here to minister to people. When dealing with somebody's reputation, first check yourself out. Is your spirit right? That's what Jesus is saying. Is your attitude to restore or to condemn? Now, very important. Uh, why are you sharing the information you're sharing? Is it to help or is it to condemn? Is it to restore or is it to tear down? The Bible says in Galatians 6.1, Is any among you overtaken in a fault? You who are spiritual. Can you say the word spiritual with me? You who are spiritual. How many of you in here think you're spiritual? Wow. Let's just have an altar call and we're done tonight. <laughs> I'm going to try that again. How many of you in th here think you're at least a little bit spiritual? You want to know how you know somebody is spiritual? Now, I want you to listen carefully to me. This is straight out of the Word of God. It's very important. You know how you know somebody is spiritual? When they see somebody stumble, their response is to restore them. That's what they want to do. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. And then what does it say? First, considering yourself. That means if you're going to go, and we talked about this on, on the Talk on the Hill series, that if you're going to go minister to somebody who has stumbled, and anybody in here stumbled since you got saved, I just want to... Boy, that's a way better hand raise there. All right. When you see somebody stumble, then you who are spiritual, here's what you do. You say, I want to help them. My heart is to restore. But what I'm first going to do is consider myself. I'm going to give myself a spiritual examination. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So, Here's what Jesus is driving at, and here's what the Bible is driving at. When a rumor floats through, it shouldn't float far in a mature church. Because a mature church will hear something about a person that is negative, and their heart will immediately be, how can I help? How can I help them? How can I help them? How can I reach out and restore them? What would Jesus do? 
Well, the Bible, Jesus, tells me he's immediately going to try to restore me. He's going to be all about restoring me. He's not going to be all about condemning me, judging me, blaming me. He's going to say, come on, come here. Let's get this straightened out. Let's get you free. Let's get you healed. And let's get you back in the saddle. And let's get you back in ministry. The Pharisee is the opposite. The Pharisee is a gotcha person. Gotcha. Oh, gotcha. Oh, oh, gotcha. Oh, look what I found out about you. Gotcha. And you know what they want to do? The opposite. Is anybody overtaken in a fault? Kick them out. I don't care about the other side. I don't care about the facts. Don't bother me with the facts. Hand me another nail. Say, Pastor Jeff, are you talking about church people? Oh, my. Listen, I'd rather have a pack of hell's angels coming at me than a pack of religious people. You think I'm kidding? Because hell's angels will come at you in the name of themselves. Religious people will come at you in the name of God. You who are a spiritual... If you're spiritual, you will want to restore such a person, and your heart will break that they stumbled. Your heart will break that they're hurting. Your heart will break and hurt with them until they heal. Weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. That is the warp and woof and the tenor of the New Testament. He who answers a matter before he hears the facts, it says it's a folly and a shame to him. It's a shame. If you're running with a story and you haven't gotten the facts, it's a shame. There's shame all over you. Shame on you. Shame, shame, shame. The gossip who runs with a story and spreads it to others without knowing the facts is actually seeking to destroy the person involved. Did you know that? Well, y'all are quiet tonight. Think about it. I know it's tough. I know it's tough. I know it's tough. In fact, Solomon wrote these words. I want you to read this with me, would you? A lying tongue hates those it crushes, and a mouth that speaks false words destroys. That means you can commit tongue murder. You can destroy somebody. And notice what it says about the motive and the intent and the spirit and the heart of the person who's spreading a lie about somebody. What does it say? Read it to me again. A lying tongue does what? Hates those it crushes. If I'm out lying about you, I have deep inner issues with you that the Bible goes uh, so far as to call hate. If I spread rumors about you without knowing the facts, there is something very malicious in me. That's powerful stuff, y'all. I'm going to tell you, Jesus came to meddle with our stuff. Jesus came to get into our stuff. And here's, and the Bible, that's why a lot of people don't want to read the Bible. Because you read a verse like that, and you close that book. You say, oh, but this is what it says. If I'm out lying about you, you know, let's just say, yeah, I don't know, Matt. If I went and started lying about Matt, 
there is something malicious in me that is so deep and so bad. The Bible says, if I'm spreading lies about him, hurting his reputation, then, then I hate him. That's what it, is that what it said? Well, Christians can't hate. Where have you been? Where have you been? You've got to let the Word of God cleanse your heart. You've got to let the Word of God. What this is, 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 um, this is, this is spiritual castor oil. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. But it's going to make you better. Because see, a lot of the church, the devil gets into churches all the time this way. This is the way the devil gets into churches. And I don't want the devil in my church. Now, look what Jesus said. He gave very clear instructions about going to the source to gain the facts. Read this with me. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault after you've called everybody in the church. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't. I got ahead of myself there. Boy, this verse takes all the fun out of a rumor, doesn't it? He said, go and tell him his fault. Read it, preach it to me. What does it say? Between you and him alone. That means you go between you and him alone. You say, man, this is what's floating around or this is what I've heard. What is the truth? Now, you say, well, Pastor Jeff, sometimes they'll lie to you. Yes, they will. Sometimes they don't tell you the truth. But that does not negate that Jesus told his disciples to handle it this way. If they lie, then you go to the next step. You get two or three others and you go to them and you go through the process. But I want you to see here that Jesus understood the power of gossip. And that's why he said, if your brother offends you or if you, or if you are offended by something, you hear about a brother... Because you can get offended at somebody by simply something you hear about them. Somebody says something loaded about them, and it offends you. Wow, really? I had no idea. You're kidding me. And you jump to a conclusion, and you run with it. He said, don't do that. Jesus said, don't you do that. But if you hear something about a brother that offends you, or they personally offend you between you and them, you go to them between you and him alone and discuss it. Don't tell the grapevine. Go to them alone. Because Jesus knew the way rumors multiply and the way that they divide and the way that they sell, sow discord. So he said, just go to them. Now, I've done this a lot of times. Just go to somebody. And you know what I found when I went to them? Here's what I almost invariably encountered when I went to somebody who offended me. Usually at least half or more of what I thought was true was not. I mean, I've done it over and over again, and I'm going to say it again. Usually half or more of what I thought was true or had heard was true was not. And 95% of the time I was able to settle the offense right then. So that Sister Talk-A-Lot never heard about it, 
brother get on the phone and get people praying, never heard about it. It was between me and them alone. And nobody knows about it to this day. Can I ask you a question? Do you think that Father knows best? You think Father knows best? Isn't this the way he told us to do it? And if you have a rumor floating around about you, wouldn't you want somebody to come up to you and say, you know, gosh, I I just want to get to the bottom of this, and if you're hurting the way I've heard, I want to restore you. So is this true? I want want to get it from the horse. I don't want to get it from the grapevine. The grapevine is almost always going to be skewed and twisted and wrong. So I go to them. Okay? Now this is what Jesus said to do. How many of you would appreciate somebody coming to you this way? Okay? All right. Notice the phrase between you and him alone. He understood the danger of gossip. Why else would he instruct us to take our issues straight to the source first? More times than not, the issue is settled and buried before yet another firestorm of gossip troubles the church. If we'll get a hold of this, just this, before I even go on any further, if we'll get a hold of this church, it'll save us a lot of tears. It'll save you a lot of trouble. And you know what? The anointing of God will be stronger among us. And I know it's not easy. Man, you hear something juicy about somebody and something inside of you immediately wants to go tell it. You're kidding me. Oh, you get on the phone and, and, and there's something in you. It's that fallen Adam. It's fallen Adam wants to go tell that juicy gossip. But here's Jesus standing there saying, hang on. Now, I know you want to tell it and I know it was juicy and I know it's loaded and I know that so-and-so would love to hear what you just heard. But stop. Do you really want to send a firestorm through the church? Do you want to try them and find them guilty before you know the facts? And often we discover that what we assumed about the situation was at least partially wrong. Finding out the facts first from the source involved, if possible, prevents trouble. Now here's the principle. Read it with me, can you? Spreading loaded information before getting both sides of the story hands Satan a golden opportunity to kindle a forest fire of destruction and heartache. That's right. All right. Say with me, every fire has a cause. How many of you want Holy Ghost fire in the church? Holy Ghost fire. All right. If we want a Holy Ghost fire in the church, we're going to have to put out some strange fires. If we want a Holy Ghost fire, we're going to have to put out some strange fires. Okay? Recently, you've seen it in the news, there's been a rash of fires in California destroying thousands of acres of forest. Tragic. Burning countless homes to the ground. Really expensive homes. Killing animals, pests, even some people. The California authorities knew one thing for sure. Every fire has a starting place, okay? Every fire starts somewhere. And they strongly suspected an arsonist was starting these fires. So they were right. I saw just recently they arrested the latest one. And once the arsonist was arrested and put out of business, what happened? The fires stopped. This is exactly what Scripture says about the fire of discord, 
division and heartbreak in a church body. Listen to Solomon again. Fire goes out without wood, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Now, you can have Holy Ghost fire in a church, or you can have strange fire. Let me tell you some strange fires. The fire of gossip moving through a church. The fire of discord moving through a church. The fire of religiosity moving through a church. There's all kinds of strange fires. And you know what? Strange fire will burn you. Holy Ghost fire will bless you. Now church, every church has a choice. What kind of fire do you want in your church? Do you want Holy Ghost fire or do you want strange fire? Well, if you want Holy Ghost fire, the strange fire has got to be extinguished. Now here's what he's telling us through this verse, Proverbs 26, 20. He's telling us that when you see gossip moving through a church, slander moving through a church, division and discord moving through a church, you can bet that there is an arsonist. You can bet there's an arsonist. It's starting somewhere. Somebody. It's starting somewhere, and somebody's not stopping it. Now, you are either an arsonist or you're a fireman, and you're going to put the fire out. And my encouragement to you and to myself in our church and those of you listening by radio, if you want Holy Ghost fire, then be your own personal fireman. And when strange fire comes your way, get out the water of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God and extinguish it. Extinguish it. Because strange fire will move through a church, and if it's not stopped, and if somebody doesn't extinguish it that has some maturity, then it'll turn the whole church into burning embers, and there'll be ashes instead of what used to be. And if you've never seen a church go down in strange fire, let me tell you, I've seen it over and over again, strange fire, burn churches right down to the ground. There's nobody left in there. It's just ashes, a little wisp of smoke compared to what used to be. And we got to know, Paul said, we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. I hope we're not ignorant of this device of the devil that you've got. When you see strange fire, you say, not past me, not by me, not through me, not around me. I'm putting this out. I don't spread rumors. Don't spread gossip. Gossips and talebearers are the arsonists in churches. The gossip kindles the flames of strife and division. They are the hidden cause behind much trouble and misunderstanding. When they are found out and stopped, Solomon says, the fire of discord will go out. I was watching a, a very well-known pastor on TV recently who um, was having a church conference. And he actually brought a real elephant out onto the stage. Big church, big stage. <laughs> and he said, he said this. He said, there's an elephant in the church. Well, yeah, 
He said, no, there's an elephant in the church. And then he said, here's what the elephant is. It's betrayal. And he, and I found out later that he had been dealing with a fire of gossip and runaway words in his church. And because of it, a huge number of people had left. And this church was a church that was impacting thousands of people every week. And look how the devil got in. He got in through runaway words and gossip and slander. And I finally, somebody who was in the know told me what the gossip was. And it was just pure, unadulterated, industrial strength gossip. And it burned a big portion of this church and took it into some real trouble. There was an elephant in the church. They call it betrayal. I would just say there's an elephant in the church, and it is a word problem. Okay? We don't want our church burned to the ground. We want to, be, we want to burn but not be consumed like the burning bush. See, when it's the Holy Ghost, you burn but you're not consumed. When it's strange fire, you're burned and you turn to ashes. Which do you want? I want Holy Ghost fire. I want to walk out here every Sunday and every Wednesday and see people get blessed, lifted up, delivered, saved, healed, all of that, that good stuff. And so we got to get smart. Proverbs 6, 16 and 19 teaches the activity of the person who sows discord among brethren is included in the list of seven things God hates. The fire that is kindled by a gossip destroys friendships. Ever seen that happen? Creates mistrust. Ever seen that happen? And ill feelings where love and unity once existed. And it drives a wedge between people who ought to be working out their differences instead. That's what it does. When once we see the damage inflicted by seemingly harmless gossip, we'll begin putting a watch over our words. David prayed, I want you to say this with me, take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Isn't that a great prayer? And then let's remember the promise found in 1 Peter 3.10. Stand with me as we read this, because this is where we're going. I know this is hard to hear, but you know what? We can either take the shot. How many of you have ever had the chance to take a flu shot and you didn't take it, and two months later you wished you had? All right? Now, that's what I'm doing. I know the shot hurts, but you know what? It doesn't hurt near as bad as strange fire moving through a church. All right, so let's read this together. If you want a happy, good life, keep control of your tongue and guard your lips from telling lies. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord, for making us wise about gossip. And, Lord, the source of fire, strange fire. And help us, Lord God, to be firemen who put out the fires of strange fire. Lord, put a watch over our lips. And, Lord, we do want to see good days and we want to see a happy life. Help us, Lord, to learn the power of words and to use our words wisely. Thank you, Lord, for... 
restraining the evil report, tailbearing, gossip, runaway rumors. Thank you for helping us to restrain them and extinguish them in this church. And bless our radio audience, Lord, and every church they're a member of. Help them to do the same. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. All right. We'll give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen.